let's take a look back at the beauty industry circa June and July 2019. ABH releases the Alyssa Edwards palette. Disney gives us a Lion King collection. Sephora is put on blast for racial profiling. Makeup Geek founder uploads a Dear Influencers video and a bunch of other stuff. I'm Hanya Marie and welcome back to the Beauty Buzzin' Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back. Today we are going to look back at the beauty community from the months of June and July 2019. I'm desperately trying to catch up to the current months look backs. There's a lot of things that are happening in beauty right now. I want to make current content, current podcasts, so I'm just trying to catch up. Bear with me, but let's get started. So in the month of June 2019, one of the um, ABH releases, or actually just in general this whole time, Anastasia Beverly Hill just started hitting us with release after release after release. They were starting to look like color pop out here, honey. They released the a collaboration with Alyssa Edwards, the famous world-renowned drag queen, one of my favorite drag queens, um, the Alyssa Edwards palette. It was released as an early access um, eyeshadow palette at DragCon in, at the end of May, early June, I think, or end of May, yeah, end of May, and then released to Sephora and the ABH website in June. Uh, this was a really beautiful, vibrant palette. It had a lot of vibrant colors that, honestly, we don't see a lot in the ABH palettes. It seemed like it was real received, but as as we'll talk through this entire episode the Alyssa Edwards palette and later on some of the other releases seem to kind of go so close together that they didn't all get the appropriate shine that I think they would have gotten if they were spaced out there were a lot of rumors at that time about um, ABH potentially selling their company and maybe releasing a lot of products right together to sort of bolster I guess their portfolio and their um, of products and um, sales so that they would look better to sellers. Uh, fast forward to now and they aren't releasing as much, but a portion of their company was sold off. So some of the uh, beauty sleuths who are really interested in the behind the scenes pieces of the beauty industry sort of called that out early on um, and it, it turned out to be true anyway the Alyssa edwards palette was well received the pigmentation was there uh, the blendability the the promotions for it was beautiful so it was a really great success but i, I do think that there was a lot going on in abh at that time there were a lot of releases as we'll continue to talk about there were over the next i guess a few episodes there were releases for the norvina palette jackie Ina. Um, there were lots of releases smaller releases with um, lipsticks and i believe they did some more um, some of those like, uh, eyeshadow, what do you call them? They were more like pigments. Yeah. Like eyeshadow pigments. There were some other summer releases. It was a lot. It was a lot. I think I, did I not do, I don't know if I did a podcast for it, but I remember I wrote down all of the releases. There was, you know, 12, 13, 14 releases in a short time span for ABH, which was not only unusual for for that brand, but also just in general, most brands don't release that much makeup unless you're ColourPop. Anyway, let me move on. So Luminesque Cosmetics and 
the uh, world famous makeup artist Sir John, who is, I think, most famously tied to Beyonce um, as her makeup artist, released a collaboration um, with the Disney Lion King movie. Um, as we all remember, one of the best Disney movies, The Lion King, was re-released in a new with a new um, cinematic magicness, and it was a really wonderful movie. I thought it, I've seen it a few times at this point, and it's a wonderful movie. They did a great job. Um, along with the movie, Sir John and Luminous Cosmetics released a, a collection that had some face products, uh, so face powder, I believe. I don't know if it was a bronzer or if it was just like an all-over face powder. I didn't go back to, to see, but there was also an eyeshadow palette and I believe some lip products. I'm, I'm mentioning it here because this was an, a very interesting release in that a lot of beauty lovers immediately called out this collaboration because Luminous Cosmetics is a MLM or is identified as an MLM from the beauty community. People were concerned that this was not a good look for um, the collaboration and for the makeup artist Sir John because may, although you know, although he may not have known about MLMs or this or this particular company, the the issue with MLMs, and I've mentioned it before, is an MLM stands for multi-level marketing company. MLMs tend to be predatory. And when I say that, I mean predatory towards um, people who want to have a business for themselves and want to sell cosmetics, sell beauty, use it as a side business. Um, it, an MLM gives people an opportunity to come on and sell the cosmetics from that company, but often it is with an upfront price. It is often predatory in the way that it wants you to sell. There's often not a lot of money made and coming back to you. So you end up sort of in a hole of putting money into a business that you hope does well, but in but in all actuality, you're just giving more money to that company and to the people above you who got you into the uh, business. So in layman's terms, most people identify it as um, a pyramid scheme. So apparently Luminous um, is identified in the community of people who really follow MLMs, which that sometimes crosses over into the beauty community. People who are very um, interested in um, beauty sometimes, you know, cross over into being super into the MLM community. And there are lots of threads and there are websites that you can really um, educate yourself on what these pyramid schemes or uh, multi-level marketing scheme companies do, why they're dangerous, and they span all um, industries, fitness, health, fitness and health, food, um, home, uh, beauty. So there's a lot tied into it. All in all, I didn't really see a lot of interest in this collection and when i say interest i mean you know when a when a collection is released you know how interesting it is and what the hype level of it is based on are the beauty media um, websites and companies really 
showcasing this collection? Are the influencers and YouTubers reviewing the collection? Are people posting about it in um, Instagram on so like social media like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter? You can really get a feel, especially for someone like me who's really deeply ingrained in the beauty space. And even though I'm not always posting about it, I am always seeing what's happening. And you can really tell if a if a collection like a launch is really interesting to people. But this one didn't really seem to. It sort of fell flat. So. I don't know if it was because of the ties to uh, Luminous Cosmetics and the MLM perspective, or if it was just sort of specialized. I know a lot of the collections that are tied to movies or shows and things like that really only end up appealing to people who are fans of that movie or show or, you know, that kind of tie. And so people end up buying it mostly if they follow that and if they want to have it as more of like a keepsake you know something that looks beautiful and that you keep and it's nice because you really love the lion king or you really love disney or like with other releases if it's related to like marvel movies or you know some sort of cult following classic moving on Sephora in June 2019, as a matter of fact, I have a note here that it was June 5th, 2019. Sephora closed all its stores for a day for an inclusion training. And I remember this sparking really on Twitter because the artist known as SZA, a wonderful artist, uh, tweeted out to her huge, I mean, millions of our audience that she went to Sephora and she felt like she was racially profiled. She felt like she was followed and she didn't have a great experience when she was just shopping for makeup casually. You know, it was, there was probably no um, indication that she was a celebrity or famous. I think she was just shopping alone. So she didn't have a good experience. She wrote about it on Twitter and Twitter immediately got a lot of backlash. Like, how dare you treat um, a celebrity and a woman, a black woman, a woman of color in this way in 2019? Um, immediately, Sephora responded, if I remember correctly, they responded pretty quickly to say that they took these, um, they took her experience to heart and they never wanted want anyone to feel that they are being ostracized or profiled and that they were going to take some time for inclusion training. Now, if I if I recall correctly, there were a few people to speak out who worked for Sephora, who uh, were associates, you know, sales associates for Sephora that said that there was an inclusion training, but it wasn't nearly to the extent that they expected. I think the thing is with with these major stores whether it's Sephora, Ulta, Macy's or whatever is that you re- you have to respond as a company to make sure that you um yeah respond appropriately to your audience if you want to remain inclusive and you want everyone and anyone to feel comfortable shopping at your store but when it comes down to it there are regional managers and store managers who really guide how that store is seen. I, for one, there's a store that, there's a Sephora closer to me that is actually a JCPenney in Sephora store. And every time I go into there, every time I used to go into it, I did not feel comfortable. Not from a racial perspective, but more just from 
the the vibe was off like the manager is like a um a woman who doesn't really seem to be like that interested in in beauty like she's not very helpful she's not very warm kind of has like a little bit of a almost like snobbish kind of attitude and it's always put me off of that location even though it's the closest location to me if I wanted to go to a full-fledged Sephora store, I would have to go a little bit further, which I don't always want to do. And the area where this particular Sephora inside JCPenney is, it's close to a route that I go to, it close to a street that I go to all the time for other things like groceries or restaurant ordering and, you know, things like that. So it's very convenient from that perspective if I did, if I did want to like pop in and grab something or check out to see what's new. But just the vibe of that manager who's there most of the time throws me off. I say that to say that you know, depending on how the store functions in itself, it could put a really bad taste in your mouth for complete for shopping at all. And stores and brands really need to like pay attention to that. It's really down to every specific store, every specific manager, every regional manager and goes up, up and up. You could say top down or, you know, it, it's all top down or bottom up whichever one you really prefer but at the end of the day like as a brand you have to have your ship tight everyone should feel happy to go into a Sephora happy to give your money and really y'all Sephora need to really be the nicest people in all of the industry truth be told because they don't have as good of uh, sales they don't offer as much incentives as other stores like a Macy's where you can get lots of uh, makeup and, and skincare like Ulta, you know, or even Nordstrom's, like they're really starting to um, get lower and lower on the priority list for beauty lovers and people who shop and spend, you know, a lot of money. So they really need to be super nice. They need, they really need to be, you know, the first people to help you out and, you know, chat with you and give you advice and all of that stuff. Truth be told, moving on. So another controversy, I guess June is just kind of like, June 2019 is just like the month of controversies. Well, no, let me not say that because the last uh, podcast that I did, it had the, you know, big swirl of controversy with the um, Bye Sister video and all that. So let me not say that. But maybe these, these this summer of 2019 was a lot of controversy. I say that now, but I'm probably going to um, regret saying that considering that now in 2020, 2020 is doing us, okay? Anyway, let me get back to the point. Owner of uh, Julia's Place, the uh, makeup brand Julia's Place, went off on Twitter for days, for days. And I have to admit, even still, this was a year ago, and even still, Julia's Place just rubs me the wrong way. And I want to love the brand I want to support the brand as I have in the past but it just some of the things that they do is just like I can't I just cannot get past it for some reason and I want to resume my love for the brand but I don't know if I can do that anyway let's talk about it so the owner of the brand Juvia's Place um her name is Chichi Iburu I think that's how you say Iburu she went on a rant on in, 
on Twitter in June of last year, really seeming to be upset with um, a few influencers. And um, I think at, at the end of the day, it ended up involving two influencers, Jackie Ina and Alyssa Ashley. And I think it started from Melissa Ashley, who's a YouTuber, and Jackie Anu, who's also a YouTuber. They're considered beauty gurus in the space and very, um, very well liked. There was a whole controversy, and it doesn't even matter like what they got into it. But I remember Alyssa Ashley, you know, having a critique of something, and I think that her followers sort of um, they asked her to kind of like go into it more, like share the tea. And she eventually did come to find out it was really about Juvia's place and how they, how she felt they prioritized other influencers, bigger influencers and YouTubers, particularly white influencers and YouTubers over their the core base of influencers who have supported them throughout the years from the beginning before they became what Juvia's Place was then and now, which is a super popular brand. They are sold at Ulta Beauty. They have um, a, a complete range of products now, including lipsticks and eyeshadows, foundations, contours, concealers, all of it, right? Anything you need. So even then, Juvia's Place was a really popular brand had really started to pick up steam they have um pretty affordable prices and the pigmentation and the, the quality of products is really good so this was a win you know especially for beauties of color we always wanted to pub up juvia's place because it has a very specific aesthetic that really um shines and puts uh women of color people of color on a high pedestal of looking royal and regal and vibrant and that's what we love to see but i just couldn't get past the fact that this was true to me when i saw the tweet it does seem like juvia's place set aside everything to really promote the influencers that had top level status for example uh nikki tutorials arguably one of the top five beauty youtubers in you know in the space uh, really loves Juvia's Place and there's been many videos from what I could tell on Juvia's Place using the products and they love to promote her. Someone who's very controversial, um, they love to promote. They they have at many times promoted Jeffree Star on their channels, on their, uh, on their Instagram, the brand on their Instagram and on their Twitter, which immediately rubbed me the wrong way because if you are not if you are a black owned brand who really, like I said, has the aesthetic of um, pushing the conversation forward and pushing people of color forward um, with with the like like I said, the vibe, the beauty, the aesthetic is very Afrocentric. It's very um, vibrant, and then you are super excited when Jafar promotes your stuff and you want to be all oh thank you so much loved your review blah 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 that's gonna rub people the wrong way and it rubbed me the wrong way and a lot of people just stepped back from Juvia's place just off of that just just off that strength so when you come back to it and then now you're getting into it with influencers that are you know in some in in some ways like considered the top of the uh 
beauty influencers of color from YouTube, you getting into it with them, that's really going to rub people the wrong way even more. And it's true. It does seem like Juvia's Place was putting certain influencers, depending on status, above everyone else. And it had been mentioned that back when Juvia's Place wasn't, was sort of, sort of newer to the scene, there were a lot of influencers of color, YouTubers of color that really, um, that stuck by them, bought products or they were given products and they used them in videos and really helped build a name. So at the end of the day, influencers of color felt like they helped build the name. And then when you get to a certain status, you sort of, you know, moved on. You wanted, you wanted the white influencers money. I think it kind of felt like a little bit of a a backstab you know and anyway it started a huge conversation on twitter and at that point chi chi started going back and forth and then started to kind of do some underhanded digs i can't even remember how jackie Ina got into it maybe she commented on what uh Alyssa ashley originally said but somehow she got into it and then it became a back and forth and chi chi just really said some unprofessional um low low dig kind of things that made me see Juvia's place in a really different light and I still have not sort of recovered from that bad taste in my mouth of how they one were promoting figures that in the in the community of color we don't we don't vibe with we like we don't f with but then also that you you know took some of took a few of our sacred people and got into it with them publicly on twitter and then just as a brand owner it's not a good look for you to have twitter battles with people i just can't see it i couldn't see myself being a brand owner and having a twitter battle with people regardless of whether it was you know under my brand she wasn't tweeting under the juvia's place brand name but she was tweeting under her own twitter account but come on like who Who's co-signing this? Who who is why aren't you being told to stop? Because it's unprofessional. Anyway, we'll see. Juvia's Place is still from the product perspective, a really beautiful brand. It seems like they be they, everything that I see from them really sticks to be sticks, sticks to being on brand and really promoting the beauty that is melanated skin. I love that but I still just can't do it. So I have not bought any Juvia's Place products. I still tell people if they're looking for something that, you know, is, um, if they're looking for a particular product suggestion, I tell them, oh yeah, Juvia's Place has this and it's great, but I don't vibe with them. I don't mess with them. But if you want to, that's fine. And then I could go into it, whatever. I just, I really want to though. I really want to get back to supporting Juvia's Place, but I really want them to get it together. No, and, and since then, I mean, after that died down, we're talking about a year later, I do think that they have um, have been what I guess we call unproblematic since then. But sometimes things stick with you and we'll, we'll see how things go from there. Speaking of stick, things sticking to, sticking to you, the last thing I'm going to talk about in June is this video dear influencers oh my gosh this video <laughs> broke all of the beauty community and it's so funny because within the last year i feel like i could say that about both five times 
like things that broke things that there should be a whole video a whole podcast the whole things that broke the beauty community we have been broken <laughs> five or six times within the last year one of the things that a thousand percent broke the beauty community was this dear influencer video by marlena stell and if you don't know who she is she is the founder of the uh, cult favorite makeup brand makeup geek she did a video i can't even remember what what sparked it but she did a video where she wanted to be completely transparent about how much um how how inf how dealing with influencers as a brand owner um is and how it how tricky it can be and how sort of messy it can be as a matter of fact let me back up i think i do remember this if i remember correctly um a makeup artist on instagram who i've mentioned before somehow brought up how much money influencers and youtubers are paid how how the sort of the top end say the first five or ten people in the beauty space and if you watch a lot of beauty content you know who i'm talking about the top 10 or so uh, beauty youtubers how much money they make this makeup artist made a post about that about you know from his insider information as a makeup artist he knows that the top of the top are making a hundred thousand dollars plus per video for a dedicated video now simple people like me and you we could not fathom we could not ever fathom making a hundred thousand dollars for a dedicated makeup video but um that was his truth and then it was backed up by marlena still of makeup geek and so when when that conversation happened on Instagram, somehow it, it turned into her wanting to be completely transparent and say, you know what, actually that's true. He's not lying. Influencers and, um, and beauty YouTubers at the top, they are charging over $100,000 for a dedicated makeup video. I can tell you, I can attest to it. She made a whole video saying just that, that part of the reason that she felt like Makeup Geek wasn't doing wasn't doing the numbers that you know it had been in the past was that because there is in the last few years more pressure on brands to work with influencers that use their influence to you know uh, push a brand forward she hasn't been able to like keep up with that and that uh, influencers are asking for a lot of money and that there are a lot of influencers that are asking for even fifty thousand plus dollars for a dedicated makeup video and makeup geek cannot spend that amount of money on one person to promote their brand she spilled a lot of tea in that video and boy did it break all of the internet in terms of the beauty community it really started a lot of conversations about influencers and what they should be making and how how greedy it is and how um, how could someone be making that much money? Who were they talking to? A lot of a lot of people speculated that the hundred thousand dollar price tag was, you know, probably the Nikki tutorials, probably the James Charles, Jaclyn Hill, like all those names started to circulate, and it really became a very very messy conversation. I think that it was really interesting that Marlena decided to really, I guess, what people call spill the tea, but really just tell the honest truth. I think it's no problem. I, I don't see a problem with an influencer making a crap ton of money on what they do well. I think that it's fine. 
my issue and my only issue in terms of how much money influencers make is that there seems to be this there seems to be like a a threshold that you have to get to to get that kind of money i think that there's a threshold in terms of um, what you look like and I think there's a threshold in terms of numbers and that's where it gets to be a little bit unfair because you want people to eat good and live good and you want good things to happen to your favorite influencers and people who are talented who really you know who you feel deserve that money I think that the top influencers sure they deserve all the money in the world I just want some of that to be sprinkled down to other folks too um, I'll probably end up talking about it at some other point in time, but now in 2020, we're not really seeing, because of COVID, we're not seeing a lot of these like super elaborate brand trips. But one of the things that makes it, it makes me think of is every time we did see the brand trips from Benefit Cosmetics, Too Faced, or Tatcha, or all of these wonderful brands, we would always see the same 10, 15 people. Like it literally was the same people all the time. And those were the people you can bet are getting big big money to make individual videos on products which is great but can we get a little bit of sauce with it can we get can we where are all of the other um really talented people when it comes to getting those high numbers and getting dedicated reviews getting those opportunities i want to see men in makeup i want to see over the age of 40 i want to see um gender neutral i want to see dark skin pale skin or fair skin if you will i want to see porcelain all of it i want to see all of it i need to see i need to see makeup in, with women with hijabs i really want to see the diversity of it and i need everybody to be eating at the table it shouldn't be that out of you know the top 100 beauty youtubers there are five that are making a hundred thousand dollars plus for a video and number 100 number 99 and 100 is struggling to get a five thousand dollar collab like that makes no sense to me or a five thousand dollar like video that makes no sense to me it needs to be more than just a certain group of people getting the opportunities and i hope 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 that with the changes that COVID has brought that it brings about a change and also the changes that uh the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests in this country and all over the world. I really hope that it brings some um, more diversity in pay um, and in what opportunities influencers and beauty YouTubers get. And I think honestly, Marlena probably had good intentions with making that video of just really being transparent. Um, but I think what ended up happening is that it really made a lot of people bitter and mad that there were lots of, there were people making so much money. And then there was a lot, there were a lot, even more people making little, little money. It really mirrors what happens in this country, in the United States, where there are you know, a small percentage of people making all the money and then there's the rest of us that are struggling to survive. Let me get off this high horse. Anyway, like I've talked about a lot of June, but I didn't talk much about July 2019 and there really wasn't a lot going on. The major thing that I remember taking note of and and just bear with me because like I took I take notes every month of what's happening that month. So when I look back at it a year ago, there may be other things that I missed and 
I just missed it. I mean, I try to think of whatever's happening at the time and will a year from now, will I want to talk about it? That's kind of how I do it. But anyway, I only have one note for July 2019 and that's really um, just a Lady Gaga House Labs uh, pre-order on Amazon. I haven't just even from now looking a year for a year has passed since house laboratories by lady gaga the makeup brand exclusive to amazon a year later i still don't see nobody talking about it i mean when the brand was initially introduced people were very excited about it i saw a lot of a lot of initial hype about the brand um a little bit of like you know uh critique on the fact that it's an amazon Amazon-based brand, but there was still excitement. There was a pre-order in July. The products weren't coming out until September. That was sort of funny. People weren't sure why that was really necessary, but I'm sure it was just to try to uh, get pre-orders to see how much they need to produce. You know, maybe that was tied into it. And brands do that. Sometimes brands do pre-orders so they know what type of volume they need to have and what the interest is for that product. It, it didn't bother me very much. So the brand has since come out with, I think originally it was, um, uh, lip and eye kits. So like, uh, lip, lip colors, lip liners, and, and I believe, uh, uh, like glitter eyeshadows since then there have there's been um, eyeliners um, introduced eyeshadow palettes what else I think that's kind of more more just like color color makeup no skincare has been introduced but honey you know it's probably coming and overall I just I'm, there hasn't been much going on with the whole Lady Gaga house laboratories brand I know that it seems the vibe of it seems very editorial um the color schemes are sort of moody and um sort of lend itself to kind of like performance makeup and that has a place in the industry absolutely that has a place in the industry i just don't see a lot of people being excited about using it when i watch uh videos and tutorials i rarely ever if ever have seen someone say like yes i'm using my house laboratories eyeliner pencil i'm using house laboratories eyeshadow palette but maybe i'm only seeing you know a certain a certain set of people and maybe i'm not seeing the full story but the brand is still around uh i have featured some of the newer products that house laboratories has come out with is a as a part of my fall makeup and skincare on amazon post that i just updated on release.com if you want to check that out but other than that i think i've been talking for long enough i feel like i said a lot or maybe i didn't did i say a lot or did i say nothing who knows if you've enjoyed this podcast um you can in check out everything else that I do. I am posting on newbelease.com. I post on Instagram, on Twitter, on Pinterest, and you can listen to this podcast wherever you enjoy podcasts. I look forward to getting myself together in terms of Newbelease content for the rest of this year and, and next year. I hope to progress towards videos and really putting um, more content out there for the literal three people who listen to this podcast but thank you for the three people 
Um, I, I hope that I am able to put out more and talk more and share more and be more of myself on this platform, which includes all social media platforms. And yeah, that's it. Till next time. Bye.